All right, we'll be in uh, Jeremiah chapter 29 this morning. Jeremiah chapter 29. Uh, one thing that we have to look at when we look at the uh, Jeremiah is that, is that for part of Jeremiah, these are people that are in Jerusalem. And for the other part of Jeremiah, they're people that have been led into exile. And so the whole time Jeremiah, he's sitting in Jerusalem and he is seeing the destruction that's happening. And he's seeing, um, he's seeing the destruction that's happening. He's seeing the, all, the, all the issues that have gone on here. And, and he is seeing uh, people whom he loved, uh, his friends, his, his uh, family, uh, contemporaries, be led off into exile to Babylon. And uh, so, so for him, he's known as the depressed prophet or the crying prophet. And, you know, I just want to say that, that if I was going through some of the stuff that Jeremiah was going through, I, I think I would be a little depressed myself. Uh, to, see, to see what you knew in life become shattered around you, to become broken, to become uh, the, the place that you would go to worship is no longer there to worship. The place that uh, the people that you would go to be with, who are your family and your friends, are no longer there. It, it's, a, it's a big deal for him. Uh, he, he's um, not only learning to deal with all this himself, but the Lord has given him uh, words to say as the prophet to the people during this time. One of the things that we, that we find during this time is that there were pro, uh, false prophets. Uh, and depending on um, the, the version that you use, uh, sometimes they're called prophets, sometimes they're called false teachers. Um, the Septuagint, this is, this is very technical. I'm just going to let you know this is a very technical thing. The Septuagint doesn't say false at all. The, the Septuagint just says prophets. And and it's up to uh, us to to uh, determine whether it's a false prophet or a not false prophet, uh, that because that's how Greek works. I was in Greek class one time and I was going through and and the the instructor he said he said I asked him I said uh, what what's this word right here and he said it deter it's uh, determined by the context. Well, what does it mean? It's determined by the context. What what if I what if I translate it wrong and it means totally something different? Well, then it's not in context. So one of the things that Jeremiah is dealing with here is he's dealing with some false prophets, and the reason that he knows that they're false prophets is because God is telling him one thing, and he's telling these false prophets something else. And and one thing that we know that when it comes to prophecy is that the prophecies of God will always be fulfilled. True prophecy will be fulfilled. Amen. Um, and so uh, these false prophets, they're saying, oh, Jerusalem is not going to be uh, taken over for too long. God is going to bring us back in, in mighty form in days, in weeks, in months, and, and, and maybe a couple of years. And, and what he's going to do is he's, he's going to come for his people and he's going to send the Messiah and, and they're going to come in and take over and we're going we're gonna to move back in. That was one side of the false prophets. Now, for the people that are in exile in Babylon, you know, they've got to be wondering what is going on in Jerusalem. Is it still there? Have they, have they burned the thing down to the ground? And the answer is yes, they, they have, uh, essentially. Uh, and, 
And uh, so they kind of wonder this. And so there's some false prophets going on there with the people of Babylon too that said, uh, Jerusalem is thriving. Jerusalem is safe. They didn't touch it. Nothing happened. Uh, and they're, what they're doing is they're saying, this is the word of the Lord. Now, Jeremiah's message is just a little bit different. His message is this. What you're fixing to read? Paraphrase. Message is this. You're going to be here for a while. Things are not the same as they were. Your homes are destroyed. Your, your, your city is destroyed. What you thought it was is not any longer. But since you're going to be here for a while, build houses, make friends, marry, have children, promote the welfare of Babylon. If you would stand with me this morning for the reading of the word. Jeremiah 29, we're going to start at verse 1 this morning. Let's start at verse 4. 1, one through 3 just talks about who sent the letter and who it's been written to. So verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into uh, exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners uh, among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you uh, encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we apply it this morning. Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to say. And when it's time to be quiet, let me be quiet. I pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Several observations this morning. The first observation is this, is that sometimes in life, you'll find yourself in a place you never planned to be. How many can say... Amen to that. Sometimes in life, you will find yourself in a place that you never planned to be. Uh, Judah would have never thought, the people of Judah, remember, uh, uh, Israel had already been conquered. Uh, you had two tribes there, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. Israel had already been conquered. They, they were assimilated into society in Assyria about a decade before uh, Judah was conquered and sent to Babylon. Um, side note, God redeems even those situations. 
I was reading the other day that, that, well, maybe it was this morning. Maybe I was reading this morning the news, and it came across, and it said that the population of Assyrian Christians has, has increased dramatically. What, what happened? How did those Assyrian Christians know about Jesus from the Assyrian Jews that were converted? Amen. Um, so, so we have we have Judah. They, they never would have thought that they would have been conquered like this. They never, even though God had told them over and over and over again through prophets that that hey, you need to turn around. Hey, something's going on here. Hey, if you if you don't cut it out and turn back to me, I'm going to hand you over to your enemies. And and that's and that's exactly what he did here. Is that 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 they were they were. Um, led to a land that was not their own. It was not their home. It was not what they were used to. It looked different than they did uh, than they were used to. It smelt different than they were used to. It, they people acted different than they uh, were used to. We get the term barbarian a lot of times from this culture around Babylon. They were wild. They 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 did not act the way that that the people of Judah would have been used to. It was not familiar uh, to them. And and, and uh, one thing that we that we find in life is that sometimes we find ourselves in places where uh, people don't look like us and they don't act like us and they don't smell like us. And and you know what? They're just a little bit wild. And, and it's sometimes a place that we found ourselves in that we never planned to be there. Uh, some, sometimes it can be... Uh, it, it can be through job loss. Um, um, people don't plan to lose their jobs. And if they do plan to lose their jobs, a lot of times they usually have another job lined up. Hopefully. People don't plan to lose their homes. But sometimes it happens. People don't plan to have health issues. But it happens. My dad, um, he was he was in his late forties, I believe, when when his health issues started happening. And one day he he woke up and he couldn't see. And he and he called my mom. And he said, "I can't see. I can't see." He had to have these injections in his eyeballs, where they would. He said, "He said you could." After a while, you could see the needle. He says, when things started to improve, you could see the needle go into your eye. And he says, that is the weirdest feeling ever, is to see the needle coming at you. But you're, He says, they got you in a thing, and you're paralyzed, and you can't feel anything, but you know that the needle's coming toward you. And he did that for about three months before he could see again. Just woke up one day and couldn't see. A couple of years later, he had this gradual decline where his legs would not work the way that they were supposed to. It was some kind of weird disease that I'm not quite sure they even know still what was to go on with that. He was the breadwinner. The one who, he worked 50, 60 hours a week. And now... He finds himself, or he found himself, in a, in a point where he couldn't work anymore. And his work, they they appreciated him so much. They had to hire three people to take his place. And that interesting, three people to take his place, because other people weren't going to work sixty, seventy hours a week. 
one day they finally came and they said, hey, Wayne, we, we know that you're, you're, um, you're probably not going to be able to come back. Um, so they had left his van at, at the house there, his work van, and they came and got his work van. And that's when he realized that, hey, he, he, he's got some health issues that he needs to figure out. And, and it was just kind of this gradual decline. It changed things for my mom, for my sisters. We were, we were already out of the house, but I heard my sister talk about it over and over again. It changed things. It was unexpected, unplanned. Something that we, we uh, health is sometimes something that we don't always know about in advance. Uh, life can throw other things at us as well that we're not that we're not expecting. What what about um, what about if there's some kind of spiritual crisis that happens in your life? What what if you what if the enemy starts telling you lies and you start believing them? It's a spiritual crisis. We don't plan for that. We don't plan for. Um, we, we, don't, we don't plan for, for um, the wilderness. We don't plan for the dry periods of our spiritual life. But sometimes they happen. And I think that in those periods that are unplanned, I think that God can show up and make himself known just as much as the planned parts of life. Life can throw things at us that we're not expecting, things that are not part of our plan. A second observation is this, is that sometimes God uses us to bless others in the unplanned part of life. The passage, be a blessing to Babylon. Talk about being unplanned. These people that captured us, the people that led us away from our home under force, we're going to be a blessing to them? That doesn't make a bit of sense, does it? That's not, that's not something that's easy. It's not, it's not easy to be a blessing to your enemy. It's not easy to be a blessing to somebody who's done you wrong. It's not, a, uh, it's not easy to be a blessing to people who talk behind your back and, 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 and just are not friendly and, and uh, people who uh, you'd rather not even talk to or be around. It's hard to be a blessing to those people. And... and uh, uh, it, it's hard to be a blessing to people that have captured you and to, to serve those that captured you and to not only that, but to promote the well-being of their land, of their society, of their nation. Uh, here you are, you're in a, an area, you're no longer your own, you're assimilated into their culture and you're told, be a blessing. Now, on the other hand, over here, you hear these false prophets going, well, uh, he's going to lead us back to Babylon. He's going to lead us back to Babylon. And then you hear the word of the Lord be a blessing. It's easy to be a blessing to people that we like and people who look like us and smell like us and act like us, people that are calm and not wild. It's easy to be a blessing to those people. It's hard to be a blessing to people who, who are not like us. 
who are not in our tribe, who are not in our culture, who are not a part of who we are, and people that don't support our values and our and our and our uh, systems of life. That it, it's hard. But one thing that that stands out to me here is that um, the Lord says, "Be a blessing to Babylon. If they thrive, you thrive." That, I'm reading between the lines there. That's that's a paraphrase. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried to you. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. One thing that I think is interesting is that um, if we look back at the Iraqi war um, prior to that, many of us in here remember watching on TV when they were they were gearing up to go into Iraq and 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 uh, there, there was pictures of Saddam Hussein and they were talking about Saddam Hussein quite a bit and and they had they had ropes. Uh, uh, and they were tearing down the statues after they were liberated, and they were dragging them through the street. And 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 many of us remember those pictures. And and Saddam Hussein was a terrible person, absolute terrible person. What he did to his his country and to his people was terrible. But did you know Saddam Hussein liked Christians? He liked Christians. As a matter of fact, he had a Christian as his deputy. And, and someone asked him one time, they said, why do you like Christians? Why do you not persecute them? Why, why are you persecuting your own people, but you're not persecuting the Christians? And he said this, he said, he says, well, I can trust the Christians. They're trustworthy people. If, if there's work to be done, they do it to their best ability. They're not going to lie to me. They're going to be honest. If I ask an opinion, they're going to give it to me. They have a different standard and value system than what we do. Think about that. Kind of in this same little area here, if we're thinking about it, same area of, of geography, be a blessing to Babylon. Babylon thrived under the Hebrews. It, it thrived. It, it, uh, it, they contributed to society. They contributed to life. They contributed to uh, politics and economics there. Uh, matter of fact, it, if we go back and we look, we can find that, that um, Daniel, who was led into captivity from Jerusalem, was in Babylon. He held a pretty high position. And he would not waver. And as a result, there were others that were converted as well. It made an impression on King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember he wanted people to bow down to him? And he says, surely your God is the true God. Third observation this morning is this, is that sometimes in the unplanned places of life, 
we realize our purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 12, which we, we know quite a bit. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. I believe that sometimes God uses the unplanned places in life so that we can let down our guard and fully trust Him. I like to have a plan. I like to know where I'm going. I know I want to know what I'm doing. When I wake up in the morning, I take a shower and I think, this is what I'm doing throughout the day. And I have a plan. And sometimes Becca will come and say, well, I've got a plan too and it involves you doing this over here for me or going this place here. And it messes up my plan. And I have a hard time dealing with that sometimes. The plan, the roadmap of where you're going. And, and when, you're, when you're in the unplanned places of life, you don't always know. You don't know what to expect. But we can always pray to the Lord who gives plans and purpose and ability And sometimes I think he leads us to those places of exile. The unplanned place. So he can say, okay, I've got you away. Now this is what we're doing. I've gotten you away. You're, you're kind of in the unfamiliar. You can't fall back on what you know. This is how I want you to do things. Or, or... You were this over there, but I've taken you away from that. This is who you're going to be. That's what your purpose was over there, but I've taken you away so that I can tell you what your purpose is and is going to be. There was no way out of exile, no way out of Babylon except to trust the Lord and go forward with what he said. We often say Jeremiah 29, 11 through 12, we see it during graduation time. We see it when we're encouraging people. One thing that we do not see is verse 13 on that. You seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. The Lord said, I've moved you away from this familiarity and I've put you in land where you have to fully trust me. And you can find me. And you will know the plans. And you will know the purposes. But you have to trust me with all your heart. And I think for us today, that's a reminder to us, is that God reveals his purposes and his plans for us when we trust him with our whole heart, when we rely on Him, and instead of saying, I've got my plans and i got my purpose and I have my agenda and I have my way of doing things, we say, Lord, this is, this is whatever you want. Lord, I, I trust you. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know who I'm supposed to be. I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't know, Lord, but here I am. I trust you fully in, in, in exile. 
I trust you fully over here in the unplanned places. And so, Lord, just have your way with me. And whatever you say, I'll do it. And wherever you want to go, I'll do it. It's full surrender. That's what it is. He takes us out of familiarity so that we fully surrender to who He is and His ways and His purposes and His plans. It's, it's, you know, and I think today as Christians, if we were to look beyond the Old Testament here and we were to look toward New Testament living, it's to say that, that sometimes He takes us out of our selfishness and He pulls us away from what, what we did over here to mess things up and He pulls us away from that and He says, now will you give it to me? Will you, will you listen to me? Will you surrender to me? Will you trust me? Because here I am. I, I've been calling you and I've been telling you that this is what you need to do. And, and I've been t- trying to show you the way. And I've, and I've been trying to, to, to tell you your plans and your purposes. But you've been over there and you've been distracted doing your own thing. And, and your familiarness and your, and, your, and your way of doing things. But, but I'm pulling you away from that. Are you going to listen to me now? And there's only one response to that. Lord, I trust you and I surrender. Have your way with me. This morning, I want us to be reminded that when God moves us to the unplanned places, it's not always out of punishment that sometimes it can be a blessing to us as well because then we get to focus on what he wants for us plans for I have plans for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not harm you Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be, verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. What happens when we come back from captivity? We've embraced the plans and the purposes of God. And now we can live fuller. We can live, um, we can live obediently. And we can thrive.